0: cinema is sponsored by overcast an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down no exclusives no premium content no paywalls just a great podcast app for everyone get it for free in the app store and we thank them for their support You're listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago.
1: My name is Matt Kay, and with me is Rye the Movie Guy. And sitting inside the fish tank for the very first time is producer Pat. Hey guys, how's it going? It's Pat. This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we get a little crazy. Oh, yeah? We get a little demented as we cover our top three Joker scenes. I'm scared. Aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. This is a good way to kick off October, man. This is one of the most iconic villains in movie history. Uh, Pop culture history, perhaps. I think especially now, and we're going to say, yes, we are reviewing Joker this episode in a second here. Now that I think Joaquin Phoenix is taking on the role, we have even another high-profile actor taking on the character. It elevates the character itself into that iconic status.
0: Yeah. Do you think like in 10, 15 years down the line, we'll see yet another A-lister step into the role?
1: I don't see why not because it's, it's, it's a character that has so much. It's such a meaty role.
0: It's been around for almost 80 years, the character. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: So we are going to look at the Joker and give you our top three favorite scenes. And these are movie Exclusives, no television. Matt. Right, right. No, okay. no
0: Batman the animated series. Right. This is Cinema Joss. We we would
1: count Mask of the Phantasm though
0: if don't we don't even so... know what you're talking about. Right, right. You, you wouldn't.
1: But, but for Cinema job we are going to be limiting it to the top three cinematic scenes the Joker has taken fair, on. Fair, sounds good. It sounds good. All right. Besides that, we have more going on. Do we not, Pat?
2: Yeah, this week we are going eye for eye on Gemini Man. And we
0: have reviews of Joker, like we said, plus Dolomite is my name, including some red carpet interviews that you got, Ryan.
1: Yes, can't wait to finally play those. We teased a little with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, so we do have Eddie Murphy and uh, we got the director of the film, Craig Brewer, and also Keegan-Michael Key.
0: That's amazing, man. So we'll play Fantastic. some of
1: those as we review Dolomite out in theaters October 4th and right at the end of the month out on Netflix. So This is great. Can't wait it to is. see it. It is also uh, always we like to play trivia here. And since we're going eye for an eye on Gemini Man, I thought this would be a good time to play man movie trivia. And every once in a while, the Jawheads know this, we allow the Jawhead who wins these monthly riddles that we do every month to take Matt K on in trivia. And September's winner was a gentleman by the name of Teddy Roth, and he wanted to call in and take you on in movie trivia. All right. So that is what we're going to do. You're going down, Teddy. End of the show, we'll get Teddy on the phone, and uh, the Jawheads unite against Matt K on this one.
0: It's really not a tough battle to win, Jawheads.
1: Man, movie trivia, get thinking of that. Plus, Matt, it is October. Happy horror film season, right? Thank you. Yes. I can't wait. Can't so wait. we'll start there because we have a new theme and a new riddle. Let's start with that new theme. I threw it over to you. I said, what are you thinking? It's October. We've been celebrating such uh, great actors and actresses. And we just got done wrapping up Nicole Kidman. And I said, who do you think? And, and you came very right away. With a pick.
0: Boom. Popped right into my head.
1: This October, Cinema Jaw is celebrating who, Matt K? Jamie
0: Lee Curtis. Works out on so many levels. Obviously, with Halloween, we got a sequel coming in a year or two. She's got a new film coming out next month
1: Knives Out. E- which Knives is Out. Yes,
0: I'm excited for that. And even uh, our new producer, Pat,'s got a connection. He worked on uh, An Acceptable Loss, which stars Jamie Lee. So it all sort of just fit together. So
1: what you're saying is we may even get jamie lee curtis to come on the show hey since we're celebrating her this month you never know Mm. could happen there's small connections there right yeah so let's start with our first jamie lee curtis fact of the month pat what do we got all right this week's
2: jamie lee curtis fact jamie lee is actually the godmother of none other than jake gyllenhaal uh jamie was actually close friend or is close friends with Jake's parents, director Stephen Gyllenhaal and screenwriter Naomi Foner. And when Lil Jakey was born, Jamie Lee was asked to take that honorary title. Wow. Interesting. Didn't know it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, Jamie Lee Curtis, godmother of Jake Gyllenhaal. Does that mean like she was at like his baptism and stuff? I guess, right? Yeah. Probably bought him gifts, maybe his first bicycle. Who knows? You got to observe the birthdays of your yeah. godchildren. I, I always think, and maybe this is shallow of me, but I always think when I hear because you hear from time to time that some famous people have other famous godparents. Mm-hmm. I always think like, that's just a thing to do. And they're not actually the godparent. Like my godfather, I, like I brought up that bicycle that, that really happened. He was the first guy that bought me a bike when I was, did you know, it fall whatever off, grade. Did,
0: did it fall off a truck?
1: No, not, no, not that kind of godfather. Not that kind of, no, he he was a good godfather, but he, he, you know, he was there at all the birthday parties and the celebrations and the, you know, yeah. Well, that's how it should be. I know. I I just don't know if that's the case with the celebrity. Well,
0: you know what? Uh, I've seen some pictures of the two together. They seem to have a really nice relationship.
1: Hmm. So here we go. All right, Matt. We also have a new riddle this month. Before we get to that October riddle, let's clean up September's. Remind the Jawheads what the September riddle was. The September riddle.
0: Ghosts are in my past, both recently and a long time ago. I'm known for my good looks, but you might just fall in love with my voice. I've done many. I've been a snake, a dog, a punk rock hedgehog, a mermaid princess, but it's not all whispers in my ear. I'm also an assassin in at least two different roles. Who am I?
1: You wrote this riddle, Matt. I did. And we got quite a few jawheads that wrote in answering this one correctly. But go through the riddle and explain
0: well, I wanted to make this one a little bit more accessible because I've been accused of writing the harder riddle. So, uh, Ghosts Are in My Past, both recently and a long time ago, refers to Ghost World and Ghost in the Shell. I'm known for my good looks. That's just a fact. But you might just fall in love with my voice. I've done many. Uh, she was a snake in The Jungle Book, a dog in Isle of Dogs a punk rock hedgehog in Sing, and a mermaid princess in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Not All Whispers in My Ear is a reference to Lost in Translation. She's an assassin in the Marvel Universe as well as in Lucy. Who is she? Scarlett Johansson.
1: Yes, other jawheads had referred to the movie Her as the voice and also Uh, Whisper in the Ear. A lot of people thought Her as well said Lost in Translation and Her because it was an earpiece in his True, and, and
0: I was just definitely trying to evoke her as well.
1: So, like I said, quite a few entries this week. We pull out a winner, and who do we have here? Ah, Chris Lee. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. I forget the last time he won, but Chris Lee from Canada. Uh, write us feedback at cinemajaw.com. You can win a prize pack or take Matt on in movie trivia. Whew. That brings us to October's Riddle. It keeps getting a little bit harder here. So hopefully Matt, it is October. Mm -hmm. What kind of riddle do we have for the jawheads? If only the day had one more hour, I would
0: attend another support group and not be so sour. I mean, when you met me, I had a mental disorder. Two years later, I had a gambling problem. And later that year I did time for killing two teens, but things got better. I returned to the stage and even became a scout leader. I've played identical twins and a lawyer defending the First Amendment. Who am I?
1: If you know the answer to the October riddle, shoot us an email, feedback at cinemajot.com, and you can win a prize pack or take Matt on in movie trivia. It's a total blast, as you'll hear at the end of this show when Matt takes on Teddy Roth. Do it, Jawheads. Yes, do it. All right, that is our housekeeping segment. We have a new riddle out, a new theme out. So we keep things rolling with Eye for an Eye.
2: All right, guys, Uh, this week for an Eye for an Eye, we are doing Gemini Man. Gemini Man is about a retiring assassin, Henry Brogan, who finds himself pursued by a mysterious killer that can predict his every move. Uh, Discovering that he's being hunted by a younger clone of himself, Henry needs to find out why he's being targeted, and who his creator is. The film stars Will Smith, Clive Owen, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It is directed by two-time Oscar winner
1: Ang Lee. Matt, I saw the trailer, and I remember you came on here uh, talking about you were hoping that Ang Lee can pull something off here because we have a, a, a Will Smith and a young Will Smith I don't know. Nothing of this really interests me. i got to be honest. I've watched the trailer. I think there's two of them out now. And neither time, neither time did I say, wow, I'm excited for this movie. If anything, it felt like this is going to be a generic type action movie. I'm scared that Ang Lee is shooting in that high frame format again. It could look a little funny. He does have some misses under his belt. It's an ignore for me.
0: Well, first of all, I, I gotta say this. Uh, how how how's that working out for you, retired assassins in the world? It it never seems to go well, at least not in the movies, right? I mean retiring an assassin, it just doesn't work, right? I mean, like uh John Wick's a perfect example in Bruges. Just doesn't work just out. Just
1: can't get out of that that no scene.
0: No, no. But uh okay, action movies with a, a gimmick are never good. They're never good. This seems like a total gimmick action movie. I'm worried.
1: <laughs> Pat, we throw it over to you. Interest or ignore on Gemini, man? Um, I am going to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. I
2: agreed with both of you. And definitely what stood out to me is just it very generic. Yeah.
1: So.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what? The special effects don't even look all that in- interesting.
1: I agree. It's the year. Who knew this? But the year 2019 would be the de-aging year. We're, we're getting it in the Irishman. We've got it in Gemini Man. Yeah, and, and
0: aging, that face app Yeah, thing. that's what I mean, that de-aging
1: yeah. where they're doing all that. Oh, and aging. Yeah, where you're, yeah, you both directions. Aging app, right? yeah. It's crazy. Three ignores for Gemini Man. We probably will see it at some point and get a review for you. Speaking of new movies, Matt, there was a big one.
0: Oh, yeah, big one. Todd Phillips is back, and this time nobody has facial tattoos, thankfully. Joker sweeps into theaters amid a swirl of controversy. Some are saying this will ignite the radical ends of the political spectrum. Some are saying that this is cancel culture nonsense. One thing's for sure, Ryan, this film is tough to ignore, but is it any good? Ryan and I put on a happy face to watch this sad clown. Arthur, I have some bad
3: news for you. (laughs) This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen to you. You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts.
1: And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little
2: boy and told people I was gonna be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now.
3: You can say that again, pal.
0: The film opens up on Joaquin Phoenix in an extended laugh slash cry that right away sets the tone of this disturbing picture. He plays Arthur Fleck, a clown-for-hire who twirls signs and entertains at children's hospitals. Arthur is a pathetic weakling, beset with multiple neuroses, the most obvious of which causes him to laugh uncontrollably at inopportune moments, despite his true emotional state. He lives with his mother, visits a social worker who doesn't really listen, just provides him with a cocktail of pills to take, and harbors an unrequited crush on his next-door neighbor. Arthur is stuck in a rut, and there does not appear to be any light at the end of the garbage-filled, rat-infested tunnels of Gotham City. His problems just seem to be getting worse, Rye. Early in the picture, Arthur suffers an attack that sets him on the path to becoming one of the most interesting, vicious, and demented villains in the history of fiction, Joker. I want to underscore for a moment the word fiction, and also stress that I am recording this before the film receives a wide release— the Joker is a fictional character. He's not an anti-hero, he's definitely not a role model. I can't personally find anything within this film that gave me any pause. Sure, right? it's violent. Sure, Arthur, the Joker, is the protagonist and not the antagonist in this story, but nothing in this movie makes me think it's irresponsible. But I will wait and see with an open mind, and I hope I'm correct in that assessment. First of all, Phoenix, this guy, is a powerhouse. The performance is Oscar worthy and it is the best film performance of the year. Full stop. Second, the plot. I don't usually read other reviews ahead of writing my own, but I really wanted to suss out why so many people are nervous about this movie. I can tell you the phrase, edge of my seat is bandied about willy nilly in film criticism, but I was so nervous and excited when the climax arrives that I was literally trembling. I've not felt that way at a movie Maybe ever, but one common problem being cited is that the film misses an opportunity to connect with the current times we live in, in any real way. Some seeds are presented, but they never fully germinate in any meaningful way. I would argue that the missing connections are exactly what Joker is all about, that and nihilism at its worst. Last, for those of you wondering what Todd Phillips, a guy famous for bro comedies like The Hangover, is doing making a gritty Scorsese-esque crime horror, I invite you to watch his first film, Hated in the USA. Anyone who made the definitive documentary about Gigi Allen is more than qualified to tell the story of the Joker. In the end, this film is simple in its premise. What if the Joker was real? What would it take to get a person there? And what would that look like? There are no bats. There is no camp. There is the grim and haunting laughter of a maniac. This movie is more horror than any other genre. It's Joker. What were you expecting, Bambi?
1: Whoa, whoa, explosive from Mackay. this These are the times that I like that you're such a comic book aficionado.
0: Yeah, I've read the Arthur Fleck story on the page back in the day.
1: You have? Yeah. So, so that was one of my first questions, actually, is because I'm not versed in the, the, the comic book world as, as yourself, I didn't know if this was a made-up story of how the Joker— because, you know, the first time I really knew the Joker, believe it or not, was the Jack Nicholson— you know, I, I saw the old television uh, Batmans, but I, I wasn't following it that much. It was more just I'd catch it on reruns. So the first time I actually was like, Oh, this is who the Joker is was Jack Nicholson in Batman. And really, that's, that's what, sad. <laughs> right. And that is what I thought was his probably his backstory that everybody knows.
0: That's the that's a very common one. Except for the gangster part.
1: But I've come to find out that there's other ones, there's other you know, people have taken on this character and written different ideas behind it so this Arthur Fleck one my question was going to be is an actual story of how this this guy became yeah
0: yeah there's a really good anthology comic that has about three or four different possible origins for the Joker and one of them is about a failed stand-up comedian who's coerced into crime at the cost of his relationship with his wife and kids and he's not quite the same pathetic character that we meet in Joker But, uh, you know, very, very similar. There's a lot of inspiration drawn from that story.
1: You mentioned at the end of your review about this being a Scorsese-type film. Oh, yeah. And that's where I wanted to start is because this is such a different type of movie dealing with a superhero or a supervillain. And what you mentioned, I like how you said that, what if Joker was real? Because this is probably the most realistic version of a film dealing with one of these type of characters ever made. And... There's so much uh, more Scorsese here than say a Joss, Joss, Joss Whedon type. Oh, film, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and in fact, one of the issues I had with Joker is how much it pays homage to Scorsese's films like taxi driver, king of comedy, king of comedy. It felt it, it had the tone and, and the feel right, but I'm not so sure that the underlying themes didn't feel a little forced and didn't come out uh, and rise to the surface. Like those films that were mentioned in Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, that is part of the problem. I felt it was very forced to make us feel that that tension. Something about the film felt forced there.
0: Oh, uh, that's that's interesting. I I agree and disagree. Uh, I don't think anything can quite touch those classics, you know. But this movie made me feel so tense and uncomfortable in the third act. It, like I said in my review, I've never ever felt that way in the theater
1: and we're going to get there because yeah what absolutely i agree with you there uh phoenix i have to go on i want to say is absolutely amazing i agree one of the best performances of the year i actually found it tough to watch a couple of times and and that's just from the performance not like something bloody or grotesque on the screen just his physicality was off-putting in a way oh yeah there there were a couple of stretches and times where uh like it was either his back muscles or, or especially one time he had his arms up over his head, uh, showing his rib cage and the bones. It was enough that made me look away for a little bit because it was just off-putting.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I agree 100%. What a physicality he brought to this.
1: And I think a lot of people are going to go into this, especially some of the younger fans that are fans of mainly of you know the MCU and the DCU movies, thinking, "Oh, this is the next Joker movie." And some of those guys are going to be a little shocked at how slow-moving. The beginning is it's really a character study on mental illness and this character, Arthur Fleck. It, it moves like a, a slow simmer at first, but the last 30 to 40 minutes is like an out-of-control boil. It is just in, it's so intense, and I agree with you. I, I felt my, the palms of my hands sweating when we got to sort of the climax of the movie. I was literally
0: trembling. And I'm, and seriously, I, I was. I didn't
1: know where it was exactly going to go. I had my ideas, but I wasn't sure exactly where it was going to go. This is tense, dark, bleak, violent. It left me, though, in a state of confusion. I didn't walk out of there feeling one way definitively or another way. I was literally confused a little bit by the film's message. I'm not sure I I even know how to feel one day later after watching The Joker. I'm a little discombobulated with my my thoughts and, I, and emotions of watching it.
0: I think that is the mark of a great movie that it sort of confused you that much, you know? Like at least it made you feel. You just haven't been able to process it fully cuz there's a lot to process. And I think the message, what little there is intentionally I I think is is very disturbing and negative. There's really nothing good about the Joker and his story. It's it's a sad horrible story.
1: Well, you said that you are recording this before the wide release. And so you're not sure what you know, may come of it, but you didn't see anything that would in- no. incite you know, radicals to go absolutely crazy. I, could, I felt that way. And I think that's part of that tension that the film builds in that final 35 minutes is sort of that tension you feel when something's going out of control. Sure. In the news and and such, hmm. you you we're living in times where we're feeling that same tension. Somehow that was uh, recreated here by Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix in in a two-hour movie that we get to this thirty-five minutes where we just don't feel eddies in in the theater. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, but that's that's the art. Does it, does that spill over into real life? I mean, uh. Sadly, I, I have to say that it's it's happened before on certain films that that I have incited some some real violence I, I hope not man I really just hope not it's 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 a good movie and it I hope it's not tainted by some some real world violence it shouldn't have anything to do with the art
1: before we break it down a little bit further a couple of notes that I, I had here one was that I felt the film was paying a little bit of homage also to the 1970s Batman TV show. Is that 70s or when is that 60s? 60s. Yeah. So the Joker even the makeup that he really goes for is yeah. is more similar to the Joker we know from the television series. Yeah. So the makeup of the Joker is is similar to that than it is I definitely would s- close closer to that than it is to say what we've seen in uh, Heath Ledger's performance.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and and even Jack Nicholson in, in the Jack Nicholson Uh, Character, his face was bleached white by chemicals, so it wasn't like he was painting a clown on it. His face, Uh, Heath Ledger had the smile scar that was like a permanent smile he could never take off. So that that's what that character had. This is very much traditional clown makeup, uh, almost close to the crow in a way. I guess that was more mime-ish, but you know what I mean. It's actually painted on with a brush. And yeah,
1: the other moment that I felt paid homage to this Batman series, television series, I'm speaking of is a scene where the Joker actually goes to Wayne Manor. Mm. Now, the Waynes do pop up in this movie. I, I do believe it is completely a standalone movie. I don't think we're going to see offshoots of this. I think you're right. But, of course, this is taking place in Gotham. The, the mythos of all of Batman and, and the Joker is still all there. So he goes to Wayne Manor, and at this particular scene, he sees young Bruce Wayne, who is about eight years old. He's a young boy, and... And when he meets him, he is on a gazebo standing there. And I don't know if you picked this up or if anybody, or I'm just talking crap here, but um, he asks him to come to the gate. And when he gets off the gazebo, he jumps down a pole. And oh, sort totally. Of swings down. Okay, yes. it was. Yes. And he swings down this pole very much like Batman in the in the 1960s television show yeah. would swing down that. He would take the pole down to the Batcave. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I well, totally picked up okay. on that. Okay, well, the crowd didn't react that well. I thought because we were in a you know a packed screening.
0: The crowd reacted when the little kid, when when Joker asks the kid, "What's your name?" and he says, "Bruce."
1: Yeah, but that was obvious. Of course, it was Bruce. Yeah, but I thought it was very funny when he sort of slid down that pole. I thought that was great. That
0: was a nice little moment. I definitely picked up on that. Okay, I
1: just wanted to make sure you did. All right, let's break it down a little bit further. Best moment or something you want to highlight here?
0: There's so many. I mean, the, the the movie front to back, I, I really just enjoyed um t- very tough scene one of one of the toughest scenes I've seen um, since uh, Requiem for a Dream uh, the talk show at the end let's just say that the culmination of, of Joker's path to psychosis is just a very disturbing and haunting scene It's gonna stick with me for a while.
1: There's no doubt uh, for mine I went with, it, not just one particular. I guess if I had to highlight, I can narrow it down. But I really want to clump in all of Joaquin Phoenix's dance moves throughout the movie because, yes, his laugh is creepy, and I think his laugh will stick with you for years. But his sinister dance moves that he pulls off—I don't think will ever crawl out of my head. There, there was just something so it's very
0: creepy, very Buffalo Billish,
1: right? Yeah. Yes, totally. And especially one shot where he's finally in full makeup in the bathroom. I had wrote down in my my journal here, becoming Joker. And it's just he's dancing, and it's like, are you kidding me? It's so creepy to watch this guy on screen right now. Bravo, And When you
0: you stop to consider what has given him this feeling of of elation to to where he just can't help but dance in the mirror, it's even more troubling.
1: Speaking of troubling, any uh, issues with the film?
0: Yeah, so they they shoehorn in a love interest. I really don't know if the film was it needed it and i'm not saying that the performance wasn't good uh i just don't hmm, yeah i'm still i don't think i liked it
1: yeah i agree with you it probably didn't need it but there was a twist involved with that yes. uh, particular relationship that actually fooled me and was like oh okay now i see why they introduced this person interesting because i think it adds f- a, a little bit more to arthur flex that's that's interesting so I, I didn't
0: mean to cut you off that's interesting that you say um, that you were actually fooled. Because I totally saw that coming. And I think it, when listeners actually see the movie and get the twist we're talking about, kind of throws the entire movie uh, into a different light as far as what we can question.
1: Mm. For me, a key part of the film is the idea that Robert De Niro's uh, hosted show, which is basically like a late night talk show, yeah. he ends up showing a clip of Arthur Fleck doing comedy. And I just had such a trouble with this because this is taking place in the 1980s at a comedy club that is – nobody is filming this thing.
0: Oh, but they, they actually took the moment to show that oh, they were – Oh, did they? Yes.
1: Oh, wow. No and void then. I didn't know. I was so bothered by that. I, I was wondering why and how he possibly could have got a clip from this comedy club onto the, the show. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, they, they go from backstage where there's a monitor filming the guy that's in front of him, the, the comic that's on stage before – uh joker goes up so yeah they took a moment to show that they were recording good. everybody
1: good just wanted to kn- that's good for me to know because i was bothered by that mm. how about influences matt
0: i mean the influences are so obvious they're almost not worth listing right. I, agree. I mean so taxi driver king of comedy um you know obviously the batman films
1: etc mm. yeah i went with uh taxi driver two question mark right um just a couple of other things that it really mimics straight out of Taxi Driver that I picked up on. Uh, you got the gun to the head uh, with the fingers. It's so memorable, and Taxi Driver plays up here. And then also the very first time that Arthur Fleck is actually playing with a, a live gun, he gets it in the apartment, and he's having this kind of moment by himself. I just re Taxi Driver in preparation for this. It is literally just like Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, when he gets the gun and he's playing around with it like he's...
0: Yeah, you talking to me?
1: Yeah, way cooler. It's right before that, but he's got that whole sliding gun and he's playing around with the gun right out of the Taxi Driver.
0: Yeah. And then... That doesn't really... That's not a detraction, though. Not a
1: detraction. And then one other heavy influence here, Matt, that you missed. I see that you missed this one. Oh, did I? Yeah. Patch Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Let that one sit with you.
0: All right. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for that. What did you learn? Uh, if there's a guy dressed as a clown laughing uncontrollably on your subway car, move to another car. That's what I learned.
1: What were those guys I, thinking? Uh, I learned something here as well. Be nice to people, even if they're weird. It could save your life.
0: That's a good lesson to take away.
1: And, and you really see that happen here in The Joker. So Yes, you do. Uh, what about a movie poster quote?
0: Laugh and the world laughs with you, Cry and You Stand Alone, Laugh Cry, and You're Joaquin Phoenix, the most brilliant performance of the year.
1: So We're going full paragraphs now. Um, that's one sentence. Okay. I went with a n- nice and quick one here, Matt. I went, no joke, this is disturbing.
0: Yeah. It is. See, I was trying to avoid, like, no joke, this is that, or, or uh, I'm Rather not joking when yeah. I say, yeah. Oh. It's kind how of many, on the nose, how right? How many Jaws? This is a four-jaw movie.
1: Four Jaws. I'm going to solid three Jaws. Really, what's what's holding you back there, Ryan? Well, I like I say, I feel a lot of the 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 themes didn't rise enough to where I I don't know if I came out of this feeling one way or the other. This that I literally didn't know exactly what to make of it. Like you said, I felt something. I was shook, but I don't know if you exactly were supposed it, to be. Yeah, and that's I don't what even it know, is. And and know it, why I'm shook and or what I'm shook about. It scared you, Ryan. Well, it didn't necessarily scare me, but I mean, I wanted more to say, wow, this I really hope never really happens or, or some theme right. that I would grab onto yes. and say this. But, but they don't give really it to you. Nothing, right. There's really nothing that's, there.
0: That's what's, a, that's what's beautiful about it because we all want that. We all want that reassurance, that happy ending. Even Travis Bickle sort of becomes a hero at the end when he goes in and, and saves people from, from the brothel, right? I mean, it's it's still murder, but he's kind of doing it for the right reason, I guess. There is no such redemption for this character. He, he is a, a nihilist. He's bleak. He's not co- connected to anything politically, so we can't sort of draw any connections to that. And the feelings it makes you feel are troubling. Hmm. And I, I think that's, that's what makes it good. And, and are you ready for uh, a bonkers conspiracy theory of my own? Oh, my goodness. This is f- full cut from full cloth by Matt Kay. I have not read this anywhere or, or heard this anywhere. Do you think that it's possible that the backlash this movie is receiving... And again underscoring that i this has not yet received full wide release at the time of recording do you think it's possible that it's just the fact that it's a comic book movie and critics don't want to get fully on board with just how amazing this is no i don't because i I, dude this is a front runner for an oscar in my mind Mm. at this point but i think that that largely because i read both the critics reviews and then i look at the user reviews which is interesting. I mean, it doesn't always paint a fair picture because uh, like a movie like uh, Bright, for example, was panned by critics, but people loved it. There's there's plenty of other examples. That's probably not a good one. But this movie, same thing. Like a lot of critics are are shying away from it, uh, don't know what to make of it. But it seems to be doing really well with the user reviews.
1: All right. Three Jaws from Rye the Movie Guy, four Jaws for Matt Kay. Before we get to our top three favorite Joker scenes, moments, Very quickly, Matt, Mm -hmm. rank your movie Jokers from worst to first.
0: Um, Okay, Jared Leto is worse. I'm sorry. I think it
1: could have been a better thing,
0: but it just wasn't. Uh, After Leto, I guess you go Mark Hamill, if you're counting Mask of the Phantasm. Then I would put in uh, Jack Nicholson, followed by Heath Ledger, and I'm giving it to Joaquin Phoenix, man. Wow.
1: Wow. This is jaw-breaking news. I didn't think it was possible, but he—this he, is just a different level. Wow, I am stunned. Um, for mine, Mark Hamill, no and void because I've never seen the movie, so I can't vote you on it. You got to see that one. I, I started with also Jared Leto, number four. Number three, I would go Jack Nicholson, number two, Joaquin Phoenix, and number one, still Heath Ledger. And I would say this: for really, I actually think the performances are, are both excellent. But you're seeing Heath Ledger as the Joker from start to finish you're seeing arthur fleck yes they're the same person but it's such a a, like non-joker movie for the first like hour
0: maybe even even, two-thirds yeah
1: maybe even an hour and a half until he like really fully becomes this this character that i i would just say that he's not fully the joker the whole time so we're really seeing heath ledger the yeah. whole entire time. He,
0: so. he, he walks on the screen and he already is the Joker. Right. Yeah, it's a little more satisfying.
1: So let's get to our top three really quick here. Matt, what do you got sitting at number three?
0: All right, at number three, and I want to uh, point out that I left Joker off this list. Mm, um, I, I
1: included one.
0: Oh, okay. For my own personal parameters, I, I left it off. So that is why I'm starting out with Joker and Harley swimming in chemicals from uh, Suicide Squad. Wow.
1: So Jared Leto, one of the the worst jokers yeah. that you have, is, just is a, making it.
0: Just a beautiful moment, you know? And listen, I actually think Jared Leto could have pulled off a good joker. They just didn't give him enough to work with there. I mean, from all accounts, he, he went full method on this and was like walking around in makeup up for, for weeks. And and I think Jared Leto is actually a really good actor, given the right role.
1: Is that completely done now? Can we throw that in the fish tank? Look that one up, uh, Pat. I don't know where that stands. I don't if, either. If he's possibly coming back as... as Somewhere in... I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Well, I mean, you know, Margot Robbie's back as Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, so we'll Mm. see. One would think that's her Joker, so...
1: So I go absolutely classic with my number three pick, and this is back from Tim Burton's original Batman when Jack Nicholson was playing the Joker. And there's uh, numerous scenes in here that are pretty classic, lines that are hilarious. The, The whole movie, yeah. But for my money, the best moment is when... Joker actually confronts Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale. So you got Michael Keaton and Kim Basinger talking to Joker and he delivers the line Ever dance with the devil in a pale moonlight and he shoots Michael Keaton. Well, it
0: catches him off guard because he's heard that before. Right,
1: exactly. And he's he's like what'd you say, you know? But he turns and he shoots him and I remember being, you know, just a youngster, I thought, oh my God, Batman's dead. Like they can't just shoot Batman. I was stunned yeah, halfway by the, through the movie. Yeah, by the I remember just stunned that somebody could actually just turn shoot and kill Batman right in front of me. I couldn't believe it. Of course, there's a little twist there. but um, great performance by Jack. and really, like I said, for being introduced to the character. I thought he did an excellent job as Joker.
0: That moment actually belongs to Michael Keaton. Like right before that is when he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You remember that? Mm-hmm. That's a, a good moment for both of them sort of playing off each other. All right, that swings it back to me. And I'm also going with the original Tim Burton Batman from 1989. Is that mm-hmm. right?
1: Throw it in the fish tank. Uh, Batman 89. I do believe it so. is. I do, it is.
0: Uh, confirm it. So it's the scene... Um, Right after the Prince song Party Man plays, when they're in the art gallery, he's got Vicky Vale and his his ex-girlfriend who's wearing this porcelain mask, right? And he shows Vicky Vale what's under the mask, and and he talks about how he's an artist, and his medium is now flesh, and he's like, look at my work, you know, And, and he shows her scarred face, and you start to really get the picture of just how demented Jack's become, you know, and just then... Batman crashes in on a zip line, comes in, snatches up Vicky Vale, and zips away to safety and he gives the famous line it was on in all the trailers, where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs>
1: I love it.
0: I love that moment. It's great.
1: I, and what's so funny going back to watch that movie is how slow those action sequences move by today's standards. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, he comes in on that zip line, like you're saying, it's like you, you could have a sip of coffee by the time he came down to <laughs> get, get Vicki Vale. You could already, you know, sip some coffee and it's filled back up.
0: They show it from like three different <laughs> angles.
1: It's awesome. Uh, for my number two, it was already mentioned tonight, but I gave hard thought on where this sits in the pantheon of Joker scenes. And having just seen the movie, as of now, I would already say it's my number two favorite Joker moment. And that is Joaquin Phoenix as Joker on the talk show um, being interviewed. This entire scene, and we'll, we'll just leave it there as we don't want to go into spoilers, is the moment that you're going to feel the most tension in the movie. Yeah, I could two hear moments. the blood in
0: my ears. It was just ringing. It was, uh yeah, I agree with you. Very tense. That right. is
1: my number two, Joaquin Phoenix. Leaving us uh, with our number ones, Matt K. Did we both go Heath Ledger?
0: Uh yes, we did. I guess because my number one is want to see a magic trick. Let me make a pencil disappear and slams a guy's head. That's down. your
1: number one. It's such a quick scene. It's not a
0: quick scene. Here's here's the moment when you start to realize that this Joker was uh, the anarchist, and he was also a mastermind. He was a worthy criminal. He was doing it for his own purposes, but he needed the help of this mob. So he comes to the table to negotiate, and they are not impressed with this dude who looks like a clown, literally, and has green hair and everything, and he has to make some sort of gesture to show his strength, and he just executes one of them right there at the table in the most vicious and kind of funny way with a pencil through the nose into the brain, dead. So fast. And it really kind of was a statement. Yeah, that's a great moment.
1: Mm. Um, I, I, I think there's a, so many great Heath Ledger moments that I, I could have won even more um, than the, that. And the, I got a, honorable mention that are better. nurse. That's a great one. Yeah, but yeah. my number one, also Heath Ledger, Dark Knight. He's, I, come on, he's definitely better than Joaquin Phoenix. I
0: don't know, man.
1: Listen to this, number one. I love this scene so much. And this is when Joker makes a surprise entrance into a party that Rachel is having, Bruce Wayne is also at this party. What is he, get locked away? I forget, it's at like a high rise. (laughs) And Joker comes in, and this is when he explains to Rachel, who is played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, how he got the scars on his face. One of the
0: times he explains. Right,
1: he does it multiple times throughout the movie. But in this particular time, he explains it. And it's just so sinister. And the way he just moves, his entire physicality of his body is so Joker-esque of what I think of as the joker anyways the way he just moves into that room comes up to her explains the, that that way he's talking with the lips and the close-up on his face and the makeup and how disturbed he is incredible i love it
0: yeah it's really good i gotta rewatch. um you know what the entire batman uh the nolan verse it's been too long
1: but mm. definitely dark knight honorable mentions here matt i got a couple all heath ledger ones heath ledger blowing up the hospital which was, we've come to find out, was somewhat improvised because he hits the uh, explosive, you know, the, the detonator, and it blows up, but only part of the building blew up, which was not supposed to happen, and so then Heath, being Heath, tried to then press the button a couple of more times, and movie magic, the rest of the building blew up, it just took a delay, and it just worked, which was just excellent, and then... It's such a quick scene, but what an just impactful moment, and that is the scene where Heath Ledger sticks his head out of the the cop car, racing away, after he gets away and sort of fools everybody Um, in in the whole downtown flipping of the truck scene, he gets in that car and he's just a menace, sticks his head. Head out of the window and his hair is flying around and that smile on his face. Yeah, that that was like the scene of the year and it, it only lasts for a few seconds, but that's the scene everybody remembers.
0: Yeah, I mean I'll throw one in from from Joker from the new film. Uh, there's a chase scene toward the the back half of the movie. It's really sort of the entrance into the third act, if you will. Um, and he's at this point pretty much full on Joker and. He is running away from people who are chasing him, and it's just a great sequence. He gets into the subway. There's other people who are dressed as clowns, and he can sort of disguise and move through the crowd. It it, it was just a good moment. I, I really enjoyed it.
1: And there should be something said about how Joaquin Phoenix runs in this movie.
0: Yeah, he goes flat out. It's like a Tom Cruise. It's pretty great. It is. It's amazing. And he's running in clown shoes in a couple of scenes. It's
1: really, really good. All right. If we missed your favorite Joker moment and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw, or you can always email us, feedback at CinemaJaw.com. What we're going to do is take a quick break. When we come back, a review of Dolomite Is My Name, plus some red carpet interviews we got at the... uh, Dolomite premiere including Eddie Murphy Plus we're going to introduce Pat A little get him talking yeah let's get to Know Pat and let's get that jawhead On the line Teddy Roth will be taking you on In Man Movie Trivia Stick with us jawheads
2: Let's all go to the lobby And now in honor of Jamie Lee Curtis October we give you this Clip of Jamie Lee in bed with John Cleese in A Fish Called Wanda
3: Can I ask you a question
1: Anything.
3: Where's my locket?
1: I couldn't get it. What? Oh, Wendy wouldn't give it back. Look, I got you this instead. You like
4: it? No, Archie. I have to have mine.
1: What's the matter? Oh, why?
4: My m- mother gave it to me on her dead
2: bed. Oh, uh.
1: oh I'm sorry. All right, darling. I'll... I'll get it for you. Oh,
2: you promise?
1: I'll think of something.
2: Sex is very, very difficult for me with somebody that I don't trust completely.
0: I promise I'll get it, okay?
2: Oh,
4: mm. I love you,
0: Archie.
4: I've loved you ever since the
1: first second I saw you. What was that? What? brother didn't bring you here
4: this time, did he? No. He's no idea?
2: He doesn't have a clue. What? <laughs> he is so dumb. Really? He thought that the Gettysburg Address was where Lincoln lived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those terrible lies he told about the CIA. <laughs> so painful. And when he heard your daughter's name was Portia, yeah. he said, Why did they name her after a car?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you
1: laugh. Oh, I love you. You're funny. Mm. How come a girl as bright as
4: you could have a brother who's so? Don't call me stupid.
1: (laughs) Mike! Jesus Christ. Christ!
4: The
2: sparkling drinks such
1: as dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy, so let's all go. To the- and we are back on jaw Matt. Before we get to our Dolomite review, Dolomite is my name, and before we get to trivia, we did throw a few items into the fish tank. And once we answer these fish tank questions, we also want to get to know the new member of the Cinema Jots. He sounded tonight.
0: like Christopher Walken just there.
1: Come on. A little bit. <laughs> All right, let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment! It's fish! Isn't it? DC! Wake up!
2: Wake up! No, a it's a giant glass bowl. Hey, get some fish, folks. Who's coming with me besides
1: Flipper? Here.
4: That's a second message. It means look across he sleeps with the fishes. We're to need a bigger boat.
2: Hey guys, uh, it's Patrick, not Phil, uh, this week. Um, the first question in the fish tank is whether or not Jared Leto is returning as the Joker. Um, there is some confusion as to whether or not he's returning, mostly because um, in the new Harley Quinn movie, Birds of Prey, uh, there is references to uh, Jared Leto's Joker, but he has he's not actually seen in the trailer. And also, Leto has said that he's willing to reprise the role in the future. Um, however, nothing has been confirmed. So mm. we don't actually know that yet.
1: So it's still a mystery, Matt Kay.
0: Again, I, I, it wasn't that Leto was a bad actor in the movie. He just wasn't given a good script. And I hear a lot was cut and yada yada, but... I think he could do a decent Joker. It's not going to compare with a Joaquin Phoenix or uh, Heath Ledger, but it'll be okay.
2: And then the second question was when the release date was for Tim Burton's Batman. Um, And that was 1989. Uh, It was actually June 19th,
1: 1989.
0: What summer a summer movie, huh, dude? Do you remember when it just like Batmania exploded oh. across America? I mean,
1: well, you had the Prince soundtrack that came out. Oh, it was hum- that humongous. was humongous, literally epic. I mean, he was just about, if not the biggest, one of the three biggest, you know, recording artists at the time. Sure, releases the Batman album. Everybody's singing "Bat Dance" and all the cool stuff with it. Party man, and and we just hadn't had a superhero movie uh, prior to like the Superman movies that were, you know, they were a big deal and they sort of fizzled out. And now we're getting this dark, brooding Batman character that I, like I said, I just didn't know that much about. The only thing, point of reference I ever had was these reruns that I saw on television of Adam West. How is that possible, man? Seriously, like, what did you do when you were a little kid? I just didn't read comics. I I mean, even if you didn't read comics, you watched cartoons, didn't you, man? Uh, I mean, some, but not the superheroes that much, you know? What
0: were you watching? Were you watching Inside the Actor's Studio?
1: At six years old? Yeah, I mean, that was good. That was on at all times. Um, I loved Bob Ross. Did your parents just, like, sit you in front of PBS and... <laughs> no. we. I mean, I watched cartoons. I'm not saying... I I, I like the Spider-Man cartoon that I remember. And I remember the one with uh, Superman with all of them, with the Justice.
0: Yeah, yeah, Super Friends.
1: Yeah, Super Friends. I remember some of those, was Batman in that or no? Yes, yes he was,
0: he was in the Justice League. He was, okay,
1: so I uh, somewhat remember it, but I didn't, I wasn't like glued to the cartoons, like the way you guys, and sometimes we have guests on, remember all this stuff, my goodness, I was, I mean, sure, I I like Tom and Jerry, the Flintstones. Did you trade baseball cards? I mean, what was it? I was was big into baseball, I was huge into football. So we watched a ton of sports at my house, we played a ton of sports. I mean, I was golfing by the time I was like eight years old. I was already out on the golf course. My dad was teaching me how to golf, and I don't know. We had a summer home I've mentioned, so there was always just I mean, outdoor I mean, I did activities. all these things too. I I was, aside from the
0: golfing, I was doing mini golf. But regardless, I mean, yeah, y- you missed out, Ry. I think you missed
1: out. So, Batman.
0: Batman was my favorite superhero growing up.
1: Well, it was a great time, 1989. Sure was, Matt. We've been listening to the voice. Of believe it or not, only the fifth member of Cinema Jaw. That's crazy. Am I right on that? Yeah. Oh no, sixth. Reno, yeah. Elias, uh-huh. Phil, uh-huh. Me, and you, me, and you, and now Pat. So only the sixth. Throughout all the years, we've been doing it for ten years. Well, there's been we've, some interns, right? In there. There's yeah. been interns. There's even been interns that you guys haven't heard on Mike that have come in and helped us throughout the time. But uh, in officially taking over. Pat, welcome to Cinema Jaw.
2: Thanks, guys. Great to be here.
1: So
0: wait, all right, go ahead and plug your, your show, man. What, what do you do a podcast oh, about?
2: Oh, boy. Um, so it's called Trial Run of Perfection. Um, Which is a great title, dude. I, yeah, I mean, that's like my whole life, because I'm never going to be perfect, but we're all trying. Um, that's not the official tagline, but, like, you know, we try. So it's me and a friend that I went to school with. We are kind of using it as a way to chronicle our process of starting our own production company, which is like in the very infancy stages, but also along the way, talking to and giving a spotlight to other creative people in Chicago. So, you know, filmmakers, musicians, uh, artists like painters, graphic designers, stuff like that. Anyone that does anything creative, we want to talk to them just to kind of learn from their perspectives and also give them a place to like kind of show off a little bit. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. And I mean, along the way, we're meeting some really awesome people.
0: All right. I got a big question for you. Yeah. What's up? What is your favorite movie? Um, I don't even know if I know this answer.
2: We, we talked about this last week. Do we? It's on um, the show. No, not on the show. It's a very safe answer. I've been told it's spirited away. Um, I don't know how safe that is. I've been told it's safe. I don't know why, but for me, it's, It's more about the the memory behind it because I did accidentally go and see that in theaters. I was with my grandma and my sister. We thought we bought tickets to a different movie that I don't even remember what, and ended up in Spirit Away in theaters, and we were really confused. But remembering back to that like years later, I ended up watching it, and it's like one of my favorite movies now, or it is my favorite movie. So,
1: nice. Yeah. Awesome. And for the Jawheads that may want to follow you online. Do you got uh, a plug there?
2: Yeah. So uh, my Twitter and Instagram are both at patches underscore Um.
0: That's pretty awesome.
2: And then for the podcast, the Instagram for that is at patchwork digi. And then the Twitter is the same. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I
0: hope everybody follows you, Pat.
2: Yeah, I would love that. We only have like eleven followers on oh, Twitter. Man. You're <laughs> about to have twelve, buddy. We don't we don't tweet very often. We post on Instagram mostly. So
1: yeah. Well, welcome to the team, Pat.
2: Glad to be here, guys.
1: All right. Jump back in that fish tank.
2: All right, we'll do.
1: All right, Matt, before we get to trivia, I did check out Dolomite is my name, Rudy ray moore became a surprise hit in 1975 after the release of his film dolomite i myself was not familiar with his story the new film starring eddie murphy dolomite is my name tells the backstory of how he came to film his first movie and the shocking success that came with it is eddie back or is this another norbit I was lucky enough to find a seat at the world premiere in Toronto last month to find out.
4: What'd you do to your hair? You look like a pimp. It's all pretend. I just created a character. <laughs> you <my> a <laughs> Pull on that.
0: Oh, oh that's a weed. That's right.
4: Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. I got to be totally outrageous.
0: It's filthy. You've got a product here that you can't sell or promote.
4: All my life people been telling me no Rudy. sometimes our dreams just don't come true a man slam a door in my face I just find another door
1: I want the world to know I exist Eddie Murphy was the perfect person to bring this story to the screen Matt that charismatic smile and laugh lend themselves so well to the character of Rudy Ray Moore when we meet Rudy he is struggling with stand-up comedy But when he gets the idea to bring the persona of Dolomite to the stage, things change. He got this idea from hearing people, sometimes homeless people, recounting stories. He took these stories, changed them up a bit, and made them his own, telling them as if he was Dolomite the pimp. He recorded these stories and records started to sell faster than he can actually make them. Rudy wanted to go bigger. He wanted to go nationwide. He wanted to bring Dolomite to the silver screen. With very little money, we see how Rudy wrangled up his friends, college students, and shady business partners to make his 1975 blaxploitation classic, Dolomite. I think many people will draw a comparison to James Franco's film, The Disaster Artist, and that's fair. Both are behind-the-scene looks at making a film. Both have a central character that is a -a one-of-a-kind. However... Because Dolomite Is My Name is set in the 1970s, we have an extra layer of fun involved here. The cast, which also consists of Keegan-Michael Key, Wesley Snipes, Chris Rock, and Snoop Dogg, all have a blast in the costumes and setting they are in. They are just fun to watch here, Matt. That said, the movie does belong to Eddie Murphy. This is a return to form for him. At my screening, there were so many funny lines that I would miss the next thing because of the loud laughter. A great balance here. Funny, yet pays homage to Rudy Ray Moore. I was a big fan.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man. Were there any scenes in particular that really stood out for you?
1: Whenever there's these uh, behind-the-scene look at making a movie, you, you got to love if they're going to have a love scene. I even remember in The Disaster Artist, there's sort of funny they're going to have this love scene and film it. But I think this one takes the cake, Dolomite, Eddie Murphy in the bed, everything rocking. It's just hysterical. I mean, it was so loud in the theater, the laughter. I missed some of the lines. I'm actually looking forward to to, to watching, watching it again, again because yeah. it was so funny at that point.
0: How fu- I mean, so is this is how good is this movie? Is it up there with like a
1: well, Coming to America? It's tough to say because I, I the character lens, it's just perfect for Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is that that charismatic. Uh, you know, Presence that he has on screen it, Love it And I love all the costumes and the setting And it is a great story But Netflix for instance is rolling this out With a limited theatrical release Which really screams Hey they think they may have awards here Because why else would Netflix Even put it out in the theaters They're, they're making movies all year long That aren't going to the theaters But these select ones that they think are good enough are They're giving that treatment I don't think we're going to see it too much in awards. I, I think the costumes, stuff of the production, but I don't think Eddie Murphy, for instance. It's a little bit short of that. It's fun, though. Not to say that awards are everything, right? I just think it's a little shy of that, but it's a very fun movie.
0: No, that's pretty fair, man. Um, were there any influences uh, other than the obvious?
1: Yeah, besides the disaster artist, I also picked up some Boogie Nights in a way. because you know that's because the of the 70s piece. vibe? 70s vibe and obviously they're making a movie different type of movie but that whole filming with you know jack horner and the oddness that goes behind the scenes sometimes
0: nice all right give us a movie poster quote and we'll leave off with what did you learn
1: all right uh movie poster quote is the eddie we love nice
0: man i've been ready for him to come back i've been missing my eddie murphy Mm -hmm. so what'd you learn
1: and i actually learned Rudy Ray Moore influenced a lot of, like, rappers. You know, they, they talk about that oh, these Dolomite rap was artists— huge. Yeah, and just learning all about Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore, I did not know as much going into it as I, I do now. So I think for people who don't know about this character and this time yeah. in cinema, it's, it's just eye-opening to know the effect and influence that he had on artists that are still creating today.
0: Yeah. I went on a big Pam Greer kick, which kind of uh, was the tip of the iceberg into black exploitation for me. So I caught up with these. It's good
1: stuff. I mentioned earlier in the show that I, I rewatched Taxi Driver. Yeah. And at the very end of Taxi Driver, they show a shot where they're uh, going down, you know, one of the streets in New York. And on the marquee, Dolomite is playing that's at awesome. the movie theater. So yeah, yeah. A lot of
0: filmmakers, uh, Tarantino probably had some of these pictures, if not Dolomite, in the background of some of his movies. So yep. a lot of filmmakers pay homage to it. So
1: now what was great about seeing it at Toronto was I got a spot, cinema jaw, got a spot on the red carpet. We got to wait and see who was gonna come by. And first was actually the director. It's directed by Craig Brewer, who did Hustle and Flow among other things. And the first question I asked Greg Brewer was, what was it like to work with Eddie Murphy?
3: It it accomplishes the thing that we all want, which is that moment where we get Eddie back. I mean the Eddie that we've all been waiting for a long time to see. There's something about the way that man swears in this movie that puts (laughs) a smile on your face. But I think what's going to surprise a lot of people is that it's a very inspirational movie. Uh, There's a lot of soul, a lot of heart. And I think what you're also going to see is Eddie pulls in a fantastic
1: performance. Not just for the yucks, not just for the laughs, but a a true award-winning performance. All right, Matt. So then Keegan-Michael Key walks by. and Oh, wow. It was awesome, right? Yeah. Big fan. Sure. And so I asked him the same thing, wanted to know what it's like working with Eddie Murphy, but also set in the time with these great costumes that they get to wear. I asked him what that was like and how much fun it was.
3: So we we were already in the wardrobe, so I'm like, what if we, and when he said, he walked up to me one day and he said, you and your mustache, I kind of feel like maybe you're like a detective from the 1970s or something like that. And I said, I am and my name is, and he said, Detective Williams, and then we were off, and all of a sudden I'm like, we're gonna have to bust that contraband fireworks ring here in Akron, and then we were, and then every moment we had, we made up our own movie while we were making another movie. So, we, yeah, I mean, it happened all the time. Oh, it was great, and Eddie's walking around set, playing a guitar, and then Craig would start playing the piano, and people just start singing. It was wonderful, yeah.
1: Were, were you able to keep any of the costumes? Um, uh, no, none of us were able to keep any of the costumes they were all returned to their rightful owners, right? Sure. <laughs> in your <size>. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you. See, got to ask him about the costumes also. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. So finally, we're standing there on the red carpet, and here comes Eddie Murphy. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I was just shell-shocked. Um, but I did get to ask Eddie what it was about this movie Dolomite was it fun making movies and and so forth and what drew him to this project Eddie big fan and I'm sure you're getting this a lot but uh what was it about Dolomite because you haven't made a movie in a while that drew you to this project
4: uh Rudy Ray Moore's story is a great inspiring story and it was something that we've been we trying to put together for
1: almost 15 years you know it just came together how much fun was it to make? Because I know movies are, are always fun to make, but this one looks exceptional.
4: It's the exact opposite. Making a movie is not a fun process. You might have some fun moments on the set, and it's fun to be in a great scene or to have something come together, but the actual movie-making process is most, it's mostly sitting in a trailer, sitting and waiting for them to get everything right. It's a lot of sitting
1: around making a movie. So then, Matt, I asked Eddie, what would you like people to know about Rudy Ray Moore that they may not. And also, how much fun was it working with this cast and director?
4: I wanted them to know that he was more than just a comedian, and that he he's kind of like a precursor to like what the rappers started doing with their mixtapes and you know starting from the bottom and getting the bottom up and selling stuff out your trunk and, and believing in yourself. He kind of like pioneered that with Back in the 70s, with these movies and the records that he did, I, I will say that I did enjoy going to work every day. Making movies is not a fun thing, but this was a great working environment, and the actors and actresses we were working with, and Craig, the director, and it was a, a great working environment. But even still, you have to do spend a lot of time sitting in a trailer waiting.
1: Did you the costumes?
4: No. (laughs) No.
1: Thanks, Eddie.
0: Absolutely. Costumes,
4: the hair, the set design, all that stuff is, uh, the more that stuff, the better the actor, you know, the actor feels, you know, like you're, you know, you're really there. You can can draw from all of it. I know I do. It
1: was a lot of fun out there, man.
0: Dude, meeting Eddie Murphy's got to be just amazing.
1: And that was, you know.
0: I would be starstruck. And I, and. You know, we've been doing this for long enough where we've met some celebrities. Mm-hmm. I I've been to interviews in and in, up in the hotel rooms and, you know, press junkets and such, but uh, Eddie Murphy, man. That 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 one cuts It deep. was awesome.
1: And and this was the first time at Toronto. So I think yeah. more access, more, you know, a little bit more comfortable around The red carpets. Yeah.
0: Well, you started off with a bang, dude. Well done.
1: Good job. A lot of fun. Uh, Three Jaws for Dolomite. It opens October 4th. Limited release in theaters. And then it will play everywhere on Netflix end of October. So if you don't want to rush out to the theaters, you can see it at home in a few weeks.
0: Yeah. Might be one worth seeing on.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Let us know what you think. All right, Matt. Uh, We like to close the show with some fun trivia. And as promised, we are going to hit up Skype here and dial in Jawhead, Teddy Roth. A fresh victim. Yes, well, we'll see. Uh, Let's dial up Skype. Let's bring on Teddy Roth. All right, Matt, as promised at the beginning of the show, we always let the Jawheads who win the riddles every month, we give them a choice. Do you want a prize pack or do you want to take Matt on in trivia? And September's winner... Teddy Roth chose to take you on in trivia, and it's always exciting, Matt, because this is the time the Jawheads as a whole can feel like they have defeated you in movie trivia.
0: I haven't been doing too well against the Jawheads in general, so well, hopefully I can break my losing streak here.
1: We're getting him on Skype. It is a pleasure to bring on Teddy Roth. How you doing, Teddy?
3: What is up, guys? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing really good. Yeah, doing really well. Uh, where are you calling in from, Teddy?
3: I'm um, from Los Angeles, California, born and raised,
1: represent. Nice. West Coast Jawhead.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, Right in the heart of things in, in Hollywood, man. Hence the interest in movies, I'm guessing.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, even if I lived in the middle of nowhere, I'd still be as interested in movies. But, yeah, it's so cool just seeing all the movie stars we all know and love all the time. That
1: is it's cool. pretty rad. Yeah, I'd like to ask you where and how you discovered Cinema Jaw.
3: Well, I mean, I loved podcasts for a long time, and one night, I was just looking up like best movie podcasts. I need to like, because you know when you watch a movie, you're like, I need to hear, I need to talk about it, I need to hear other people talk about it. Yes. And the first thing that popped up just from a quick Google search was you guys, and as soon as I subscribed, I just got really into it and just couldn't stop. Went to past episodes, subscribed, listened to the weekly episodes, and yeah, you guys are like one of my favorite podcasts every week, so every Monday, I'm very much looking forward to it.
1: Awesome, that warms my heart. Do Do you side with one of us, or do you sort of agree fifty percent of the time with Matt, fifty percent of the time with Rye?
3: I like that question. Um, I thought you were gonna ask me that. I would say I side more with Rye, the movie guy, oh, just because I'm don't, not a big Marvel fan.
0: You don't have to pump I'm his not, ego up any more than it already.
1: He's already okay. got a belt. Well,
3: well, well, Matt, Matt K is also just like a rad dude. He listens to the Misfits. He also has like really <laughs> cool tastes in movies and stuff. I like both of you guys. But I also just like can't get behind most of these Marvel movies personally.
1: That's okay mm-hmm. man. it's fair enough. They're All not right. for everyone
3: they're not they're not bad yeah
1: Hey, that's what makes the show fun Matt difference of opinion. yeah well, there's a
0: whole bunch of art out there and different people are gonna like different parts of
1: it. I agree. So, uh, Teddy, since you listen to the podcast, I'm sure you know how trivia works, but for new jawheads that may be listening for the very first time, it works like this. Teddy's our guest. He gets to choose if he wants to go first or let Matt K. go first. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any one question, you get one trip into the fish tank for Pick Me Up Pat. That's what we're going with? That's what we're going with. All right. We have been introducing Pat all episodes long here, Matt. It is his first show the inaugural pulling duties as producer That's of right. cinema jaw so uh don't know how his clues are going to be you never know phil's were esoteric so you just don't know what pick me up pat's going to get you
0: i like that you said esoteric <laughs>
1: right yes <laughs> all right so teddy do you want to go first or do you want to let matt k go first uh
3: you know what matt k you go first i'm gonna go second Ooh. i'm gonna defer on this one wow okay
1: Question number one, and it is a comic book movie, Matt. Ooh, Here we go. Okay. The first Iron Man kicked off the MCU in style. Who directed the film? John Favreau. One to nothing. Teddy, they always start out easy. Question... Yeah, I would have had that one. <laughs> Question two is over to you. In 1980, David Lynch directed Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt in a film about John Merrick. Name the movie.
3: I'm going to say I'm, I really am not a big David Lynch fan, but this is man movie trivia, so I'm just going to say Elephant Man and hope that's the one. I am
1: not an animal. Absolutely. <laughs> it is one-to-one. This is good. Everybody perfect as we go into question three to Matt Kay. Matt, Nicolas Cage made this 1970s horror film remade in 2006. It's about... A lawman searching for a missing girl who discovers evil forces in a remote area. Name the film. Matchstick Man. Oh, man, I botched incorrect. it. I botched it. Incorrect. Teddy, you got a chance for a steal here. Nick Cage remade this 1970s horror film in the year 2006. It's about a lawman searching for a missing girl Who discovers evil forces in a remote area
3: yeah i didn't see this movie but there's like a really good youtube video of all of the worst uh catchphrases from this movie and i'm pretty sure we're talking about wicker man
0: yeah i confused it with his (laughs) with his uh matchstick men the the con movie
1: yes i love those clips on youtube that you're referring to teddy hilarious They're so good, It's unbelievable. Because taking out of context of the movie, it's just that much more bizarre and funny. All right, it is two to one, Teddy, and question four is over to him. He could take a huge lead here. Teddy, in the year 2000, Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, and Josh Brolin starred in this movie about a scientist who discovers how to turn matter invisible. Name it.
3: Oh, my God. You know it's funny? because I've never really seen a movie with any of them besides, like, Kevin Bacon and Mr. Griver, of course. But I think I did actually see... No, The um, the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man, final answer.
1: Incorrect. No! Incorrect. He has the wrong man listed, Matt. Two to one. And, Matt, you got a chance for a steal here. In 2000, Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, and Josh Brolin starred in a film in which a scientist discovers how to turn matter invisible.
0: It's, it's not The Invisible Man. That was uh, a totally different movie. This is Hollow Man.
3: Oh, yep.
1: That is correct. Wow, what a change of, of circumstances here. It is now two to two. Matt K has tied it, and question five is over to Matt. Both contestants still have their lifeline. Matt, the 2003 film saw Vin Diesel star as a DEA operative fighting the drug war on the Mexico-U.S. border. Name the film. It's not Triple X? Not Triple X. no man in that. Um, 2003 film mm -hmm. that saw Vin Diesel as a DEA operative fighting the drug war on the Mexico-U.S. border. Name the movie.
3: Um, uh, I have no clue what this is going to be. I hope Matt really gets this one.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't know either. You me, do have a lifeline. What it, question number is this? This is question five. Hmm. Match is tied two to two. It's, a, it's an early one. I don't know. Uh, all right, since we're tied, pick me up, Pat.
1: Whoa, pick me up, Pat. Question five. Pat, what was the name of that 2003 Vin Diesel movie? So
2: your clue for this one is AMA.
1: Mm. Ask me anything? just initials AMA
0: that that's so unhelpful Pat you, wow you <laughs> need to you need to work on these buddy um another man accused I get guess, I'm guessing that the wow. a the
1: M is man not bad that is really good logic here MacKay um you do have a chance for a steal Teddy maybe the clue helped you Vin Diesel 2003. Initials, AMA.
3: Oh, man. Um, this is a tricky one. I Yeah, I really have no clue. I'm just going to say um, American Man Association. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Incorrect. We were looking for a man apart. A man apart. Ooh,
3: yo. Okay. Wow. A man apart.
1: Still two to two. Question six over to Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. In two thousand and twelve, this movie, Man on a Ledge, saw this Avatar actor climb out on a ledge of New York high rise. Name the actor who starred in Man on a Ledge.
3: I when when Avatar came out, I could have sworn he was like the next big thing, and then this movie came out and I'm and haven't seen him since, but I'm pretty sure his name is Sam Worthington.
1: That is correct. <laughs> wow. Sam Worthington, where have you gone? He's going to be the next Avatar. <laughs> it is 3 to 2, Teddy. Question 7. Back over to Matt Kay. Matt, in 2009, Paul Rudd starred in I Love You, Man. Can we just get the Encino Man question already? Paul Rudd <laughs> starred in I Love You, Man with this actor who wanted to be his best man at the wedding in the film. Name him. It wasn't Polly Shore.
0: He he played. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Infinite Jest author, Foster Wallace, right? You um, have
1: already used your lifeline, so there's no. Help that was here.
0: probably the clue. Um. His name is uh, Jason Siegel. Whoa! Wow! Pulled I that can't one. believe you pulled that out of you. Yeah. Holy cow! Slap
1: the bass. All right. It is three to three. The last question of the game. The tension. You can cut it with a knife. Teddy, it's over to you. You can win it on a walk-off right here. And you have your lifeline. In 2009, okay, okay. in 2009, Teddy, Michael Douglas starred alongside Susan Sarandon, Danny DeVito, Jesse Eisenberg in a film about a guy who goes to Boston to show his girlfriend's daughter around a college campus. Name the film.
3: Oh, my God.
1: Wow, that is a deep cut right there.
3: Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. I've never, yeah. So wait, Michael Douglas, Susan Sarandon, Danny DeVito. Jesse Eisenberg. And Jesse Eisenberg. That kind of, oh, all right. Put, Put me in, Pat, or pick me up, Pat.
1: Wow, pick me up, Pat. Pat, what was the name of that Michael Douglas 2009 film? So your clue for this one is
2: Neil Diamond has a song titled this as well, A Man Alone.
1: Ooh, almost a double clue there. A Man Alone and Neil Diamond has a song titled this as well. Hmm. I don't know if you're a big Neil Diamond fan, Teddy.
3: Wait, wait a second. So wait, Neil Diamond has a song called A Man Alone? No. And ne- this?
1: Neil Diamond has a song entitled the same thing as this movie title, and it's about a man uh-huh. being alone.
3: Oh. um, Oh, God. <sighs> I have no clue. A a, a lonely man.
1: Wow. Matt, you got anything here? Sweet Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely incorrect. We're looking for solitary man. Solitary man. You know Uh, way too much about
0: uh, Neil Diamond, Ryan. He's great. I don't know. This one ends 3-3,
1: to so it comes down to... A jawbreaker, as we call it on the show. This question is over to Teddy, and it's a superhero question. Teddy, better three movies, the first three Iron Man movies or the first three Superman movies?
3: (laughs) To be honest with you, like the Iron Man movies, I thought all of them were bad, even the first one. And uh, I'm going to say Superman, the first three Superman movies. He's
1: actually right. The first three Superman movies, I'd take over the three Iron Man movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. real, Real jawbreaker is this. Age of Kevin Bacon closest to Matty? You got to guess. I
0: think Kevin Bacon is just about. He's got to be pushing sixty, man. I would say he is fifty-seven years old.
1: Lock him in at fifty-seven, Teddy. Do you got to wow. guess.
3: I was okay. I was gonna say fifty-seven. I really have no clue because he, he's he's foot loose, right? He was. The Footloose guy. Yeah. Just, yeah. And a Footloose came out in the 80s. Early At 80s. some point. Early 80s. And he, I don't know, he's young. I'm going to say, I'm just going to do prices is Right It. And I know that's kind of shady, but 58 for Kevin Bacon.
1: We give this one to Teddy. 61 for Kevin Whoa! Bacon. Whoa, he's oh, 61. Wow. He's crossed. He's, he's over the hill. Teddy wins this one on a jawbreaker. A virtual handshake, Teddy. Yeah.
3: Virtual handshake. This was great. It was my pleasure.
1: Awesome. Um, I love when the Jawheads win, so thanks for listening, and thanks for beating Matt Kay. It makes me feel good.
3: Yeah, that was a close one. I mean, it did feel really good. I'm not going to lie, Matt Kay, but I felt like he had Solitary Man. He let that one go. I have a weird feeling he knew that one.
0: No, I had no idea, to be honest. I I really did want to make this Sweet Caroline (laughs) joke, though. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, this was a total blast, uh, Teddy. Thanks for calling in.
0: And thanks for listening, man. It's awesome. Thank you.
3: No, no, I love you guys. Keep up the good work and I'm sad to see Phil go. But um welcome on producer Pat. It's gonna be cool. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Oh, that was great that the jaw had called in and actually beat you when it came down to the jawbreaker. It was uh, a close one, man.
0: Well, you know what? My my hat is in hand and I say, Well done, Teddy. Well done.
1: What a fun show. It was fun. Holy
0: crap. Yeah. This is a good one, dude.
1: A lot of lot of fun. Uh, first and foremost, we gotta thank our engineer. Yeah. Our producer, producer, producer Pat,
0: producer Pat, well done.
2: Thanks,
1: guys. It was a uh, it
2: was a good first week. I think I had fun. I did think so too.
1: Yeah, you did a good job, Pat. Thank you very much. Absolutely, I mean, Matt. We also got to thank our sponsors. Yes, thanks to Overcast
0: and the Chicago Podcast Co-op who help us get cool sponsors like them.
1: If you want to support Cinema Jaw, the easiest way to do so is by leaving us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast.
0: And while you're there, please click subscribe. One extra button helps us out tremendously.
1: Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt K. K. And, and keep on jawing about the
0: movies. movies.